Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Standing by to help you tackle your home improvement project. Help yourself first by picking up the phone and calling us at 1-888-MONEY-PIT with your home improvement question. 888-666-3974. Coming up this hour on the Money Pit, more and more homeowners are turning to their garage as a source of extra space. Whether it's for a workshop, a hobby room, or even a game room, you can make it much more comfortable by adding heat. But how do you do that? We're going to tell you coming up. And speaking of year-round use, some appliances in your home rarely get a break, and using them over and over without giving them any maintenance? Well, that's just a recipe for disaster. So plumbing and HVAC contractor Richard Trithui from TV's This Old House is going to be here to tell you why your washing machine and clothes dryer need extra TLC so they don't cause damage or even go up in flames. Hmm, this sounds like something that just recently went down at the Segretti home. (laughs) And here's an idea that we can get behind better toilet seats (laughs) from comfier to cleaner there are plenty of affordable upgrades out there for your home we'll highlight some of the latest innovations and this hour we're giving away a tcp smart led light bulb starter kit now it lets you control the lights in your home from any computer tablet smartphone or a connected remote control no matter where you are whether it's up the street or across the globe it's worth 80 dollars, but free to one caller whose home improvement question we answer this hour so call us with yours, the number is one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. Leslie, who's first? Kirk in North Dakota is on the line with a lighting question. What's going on? Well, I got a quick question on fluorescent lights. You know, a lot of your uh, lights are, of course, rated. You know, sixty watts, etc. So, my question kind of came in the fact that on the fluorescent bulb it says this is equal to a sixty watt bulb. But sometimes it's just not enough light. So what happens? Or are you allowed to put a bigger bulb wattage? Because since fluorescents are supposed to be taking elect- less electricity, can a guy put a bigger bulb in there in a fluorescence that says equals to 100 watts because it's still drawing less electricity? So I think what you're talking about here is compact fluorescence, Kirk. Right. So the wattage limitations on fixtures is based on a calculation that involves incandescent bulbs, and, it, and it, because it's because it equates to heat. You know, a 100-watt bulb is going to uh, emit a certain amount of heat, and uh, if the fixture's rated to take that heat, that's that's what it's rated for, and you can't put more than that. When it comes to fluorescence, you're only using a quarter of the energy, so a 15-watt bulb would deliver, you, deliver the same equivalent of 60 watts of light. You can't have a bulb that delivers the equivalent of a bigger watt bulb but you're still not actually putting that amount of electricity into it. Does that make sense? Right. So you could actually, like you say, if it's a third, if it's rated for a 60-watt incandescent bulb, you could virtually say if there is a 150-watt bulb in a fluorescent, you should be able to put that in there and not cause an overload and get more light out of that same picture. Yeah, I probably wouldn't double it. <laughs> but I might, if it calls for a 60, I might go up to 100 because then you're moving from saying 15 watts to 25. But I have a better suggestion. Forget the compact fluorescence. They are an outdated technology. The LED bulbs it's, are where it's at today. They, they deliver a much better quality light with uh, just the same, if not more, savings. 
But uh, you know, that was the whole issue is sometimes you just don't get enough light out of some of those fixtures. Right. And I think that if, right, and also they're very temperature sensitive if it's a cold area. like Well, and then they're color sensitive as well. If You know, when you get a CFL, you have to pick what color temperature you want that bulb to feel, and they can all feel extremely different. So you might pick something that gives a cold, harsh light and you want something warmer. So there's a lot of experimenting with what type of fluorescent bulb you're going to get. We'll have to try some different things, but I was just worried about the wattage and making sure I didn't overheat the uh, original fixture. No, you're smart. You're smart to be concerned, but I I'd take a look at the LEDs, and I think once you start trying them, you'll be you'll be disposing of those CFLs. Well, thank you very much for taking my call. I appreciate you're it. You're very welcome. Good luck with that project, Jody in Delaware. You've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I actually have a problem with my foundation. It's an exposed foundation about three feet high around the whole footprint of the house is exposed. It's a cement block foundation that had parging on it originally, and the parging was cracking, so it was recommended by a masonry contractor to put dry lock over it. So this is what I did. I put, um, it's a, it, they, they add color to the dry lock, so I put it over the whole foundation, and it started to crack and peel and bubble. Yeah, you didn't adhere properly. First of all, isn't dry lock usually an interior uh, masonry paint, not an exterior masonry paint? Well, this particular masonry guy told me that he's actually used it on the bottom of swimming pools. So he thought that it would work. And when, when he saw it later, he said, wow, I've never seen it do that. Yeah. How about that? You just experimented <laughs> with your house. I did call the dry lock people, too. Yeah. And talk to them. And they, they told me to try to power wash it, try scraping it. But it's just become like a huge mess. You know, I mean, it peels in some places, some places it adhered. Yeah, the problem is that now that you've got that on there, you've got to get it off because you can't put any, you can't put new stuff over the bad old stuff. It just will continue to peel. Yeah, the problem is, is that uh, we are on um, filled in marshland is where the, is where, the, and so we're on clay and, clay and sand. And the cement block, you know, it sort of leaches up through there. So it's always sort of ha- sort of damp coming up from the ground anyway. Yeah, that's what I was going to, th- that's what I was kind of thinking. I was thinking the block wall might have been wet when you applied it. It might have been visibly wet, but see, those block walls are hydroscopic. They absorb water really, really well. And so if you, if it's on a moist situation, that water is going to draw up, get behind that paint, and nothing causes paint to peel faster than, than water. So unfortunately, at this stage, you're going to have to strip that off. Oh, my gosh. And we're right on, we're right on the water. You know what I mean? We're on the bay. So I'm always worried about things that are not environmentally friendly. The other thing that I think you probably could do, and this is a, you know, this is a big job in and of itself, though, is you could have a mason attach um, a woven wire mesh to that foundation and restucco it. And in that case, it could go right on top of the old junky paint because you're not really sticking to the foundation, you're sticking to the mesh. So that's another possibility. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess in some places that was used before underneath the parging. Well, the parging the parging is simply a stucco coat that goes on top of the block wall, and it's typical for the parging to crack. And usually, it cracks along the lines of the of the of the masonry block. Yep, that's what it did. And that's not necessarily a defect. That's pretty much just the way it goes with that stuff, especially if they don't put it on thick enough. So I would consider, if you really want to have it to look like a traditional masonry foundation, I would consider having mesh put up there and then properly restuccoed. If not, you're just going to have to peel that paint off any way you can. 
You would, you, I would might take a look at some of the citrus-based uh, paint strippers if you have some that's really hard to get off. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Sorry to have better news. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, we are quickly getting towards spring. I know mid-February is not exactly quickly getting towards spring, but all the power of positive thinking. So if you need some help getting your Money Pit ready, we are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, you hate having to bundle up before heading into your garage? Why not add a heat source and get countless new uses for all that extra space all year long? Learn how next. You live in a body pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, MoneyPit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T, MONEYPIT. 
The Money Pit is presented by Quick Crate Concrete and Cement Products. Quick Crate, what America's made of. Like us on Facebook and visit online at www.quickcrete.com for product information and easy step-by-step project videos. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now with your home improvement question at one eight 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 Money Pit. If we talk to you on the air this hour, you could win a TCP Smart LED Light Bulb Starter Kit. Yeah, no more outrageous electricity bills because TCP bulbs use 85% less energy than your standard incandescent bulb. Learn more at HomeDepot.com. The TCP Smart LED Light Bulb Starter Kit is worth 80 bucks but going out to one caller drawn at random to those that reach us for today's show the number is one eight 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 money pit tim in new mexico is on the line with a question about windows tell us what's going on at your money pit well i am um, considering my wife and i are considering putting in some energy efficient windows and so we've been shopping that a little bit and it seems that there's quite a myriad <laughs> of uh available products in that in that market and 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 one thing that i was looking at was the um just the air void type windows versus the gas filled uh windows and um one salesperson told us that that he recommended that just get the air void because the gas filled uh that gas after a year or two will dissipate out of the window which i had never heard that before but um and in essence, you're just left with an air void. So anyway, I'm just looking for some guidance in that um, subject. All right. So when you say air void, what exactly do you mean? Because I'm not at all familiar with that term. Uh, well, basically, you know, it's a double paned window with which just just dead space in it, and there's it's not gas filled person. So instead of argon, it's just got air. Right. That's not going to insulate. The reason to use those gases is because the gases are insulating gases, and. I don't buy at all the fact that the gases leak out. That's just not true. The it, only way the gas will leak out is if you have a seal that fails. Yeah, these good quality windows, these seals will these seals will last a long time. You know, twenty years. It, it's not unusual for these glass seals to last that long. So this sounds to me like uh, you know you're getting advice from a salesman that wants to move his product over another one. It's not a given that this gas leaks out in a year. That's ridiculous. I would buy a good quality window from a name manufacturer. You know, buy a Marvin, buy an Anderson, buy a Pella. You know, stick with a good name brand, and you're going to get a good quality glass uh, panel there that's going to last a long, long time. Okay. Okay. I I believe these were um, Henry Dawn, I think was the brand of these. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really small brands out there that are basically made for the re- for the remodeling industry okay. and for the replacement window industry. And they're just manufacturing a replacement window in their own brand. You know, they're just putting the whole thing together. But there's not a super manufacturer behind it that, should you have a problem down the road, would have your back. Yeah, I would look at the name brand, and I would look at also at, at uh, Energy Star certified windows. Okay. I appreciate it. Tim, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Learning something new every day, Leslie. Air void. I've never heard that term. That's a that's a new one. They turn uninsulated glass into something that sounds good. Right, it's an air void. Oh no, that's an air void. <laughs> I mean, you're going to end up with an air void anyway. It's yes. void. And this window is insulation free, so you're not going to have to worry about any of that pesky insulation getting in the way of your of your view. <laughs> 
Well, they're designed for cars, but most garages are used for a whole lot more. Yours might even double as a laundry room, a workshop, a playroom, or even a haven for your pets. Yeah, you know, the possibilities would be endless, except for, you know, one minor problem temperature. You know, garages, they're pretty drafty and they can be downright cold in the winter, which really stops most of us from spending any time out there. And that's why it's a good idea to think about adding a garage heater. Now, there are actually several different types to choose from. You have forced air garage heaters. They give you pretty much instant heat like a conventional furnace. They also have infrared garage heaters, which radiate heat rather than using a conventional blower fan. And of course, portable heaters that require very little maintenance themselves. Mm -hmm. And to get the most of that added heat, you might want to consider insulating your garage walls as well, because adding inexpensive fiberglass bats to just those exterior walls will reduce the amount of heat that you're going to need. And before you know it, you'll be working or just even hanging out in your garage more than you ever even thought of before. Yeah, you know, it's a good idea to insulate your garage. And I never understood why builders always stop short insulating that space because let's let's face it people do want to live there and yes i know it's an exterior wall and there's no heat in the garage so why do you insulate you insulate it because people are eventually going to want to add heat and it doesn't cost much when the home's being built but they still don't do it so if your exterior garage walls are not insulated add it you'll be happy that you did Joan in California needs some help with a kitchen remodel. How's it going yes well we haven't started yet and i just need some advice on how to get started Do you start with an architect, or what do you do? That's a good question. So planning makes perfect. You want to start with a plan. Now, are you essentially going to replace the kitchen in sort of the same layout that you have right now, Joan, or are you thinking about really changing things up a lot? Well, it's a very small kitchen, and I just want to know how to maximize everything. All right. So if it's a small kitchen, you can probably do this inexpensively by perhaps starting with a home center. A lot of the home centers have designers that work on the ca- work on designing kitchens for the cabinetry that they sell and for a very small fee they can help you lay it out and take advantage of all of the latest options. If you want to do more than that, what you're going to do is hire a certified kitchen and bath designer. But this is sort of like hiring an interior decorator that works just on kitchens and baths, and that's going to cost you a few bucks. But if you want to just do this an easy way, I would start with a home center in the kitchen department and see if they'll lay out some options for you uh, using the using the type of cabinets that they sell. Those cabinets are usually pretty affordable at that level, and you know you'll they'll be able to give you some ideas on things perhaps you haven't thought about. You know what, Joan, I think it's really smart to keep a notepad in the kitchen. And everybody and anybody, yourself and your family who use the space, as you walk through and notice little areas where you're tripping over one another or things that just don't make sense or you wish that, you know, X was here and not there, sort of jot all of those down. So when you do go sit down with whether it's, you know, a certified kitchen and bath designer or someone in the home center, you sort of have all of these issues that could be addressed or might be able to be addressed. One thing I really want is more electrical outlets. So that'll have to definitely be in the plan. Well, that's definitely in the plan. And, and, you know, you'll do these things in order. The first thing you'll do is rip out the old cabinets. And the next thing you'll do would be to rough in new wiring and new plumbing to have it exactly where you want it. And then, of course, you'll start the installation of the new cabinetry as almost the last step. It's also a good time to think about universal design in the kitchen, maybe having countertops of different height. So as you get older, you could sit down and work at the kitchen counter as opposed to just standing up. So think of the uh, the sort of accessibility issues when you design this kitchen as well. How much uh, time should I allow for something like this? Well, it depends on whether you have sort of all your ducks in a row. Sometimes it takes a while to get all the, the uh, cabinets delivered. But if everything is accessible and on-site, 
you know, you can tear out this kitchen and rebuild it inside of a week. Oh, wow. <laughs> if you have everybody lined up and everybody's there when they need to be there and, you know, the, the plumber shows up on time, the electrician shows up on time and so on. Sure. I don't see any reason you can't get it done in a week. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Good luck with that project, Joan. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit. Now we're heading over to North Carolina where Chris has a question on flooring. What can we help you with today? I had a leaking toilet that rotted my wood subfloor. I ripped it all up and I put the new pieces of wood back down. But my cuts weren't exactly perfect and there's some spacing in between, like maybe like three sixteenths. Yeah, that's Um, pretty good. Okay. Uh, It's just in some sections. And uh, I'm going to put down the quarter-inch cement board to put tile down here. And okay. I just wanted to know what type of mortar do I use to put the cement board down onto this wood subfloor? And then once the cement board is down and it's screwed in, do I have to put some type of mesh tape to put the boards together and then mortar the tape? No. So first of all, if you're going to put down Duroc, which is sort of that cement board that you're describing it, generally that's screwed down. So you would screw that down to the floor. And then on top of that, you would apply the adhesive for the tile, and you would glue the tile right to the the board. Okay. Uh, you know, having having those gaps in the plywood repair is no big deal because that's all going to be covered over. Just make sure that when you put the cement board down that you don't align the seams of the board with any of the old seams of the plywood below it. Right. Everything should overlap. Do, do, do I still have to put the mesh tape, though, for the boards? I, the cement boards or no? Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. I think you can go right on top of that. As long as you have good adhesion of those boards down, they're secured well in place, they shouldn't move. Okay, great. Chris, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Hey, coming up, don't let the smell of clean laundry turn into the smell of smoke. It's a scary thought, but it happens more often than you think. In fact, it happened to me. So we're going to be talking washer-dryer safety tips when the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show continues. I'm Kevin O'Connor, host of This Old House and Ask This Old House on PBS. When I'm not working on old houses, I'm making sure my house doesn't turn into a money pit. With help from Tom and Leslie. On the Money Pit Radio Show. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, are you wondering what to do with your old phone now that you've upgraded to a new one? Here is a green idea that we recently spotted at the Consumer Electronics Show. You now can head to what is known as an Eco ATM test station. You plug in your device, the Eco ATM kiosk prices it out, and if the price sounds right, all you do is trade in your electronic device right on the spot for cash. Now, these kiosks will take MP3 players to some devices fetch up to 400 bucks. You can learn more at ecoatm.com and find a test station near you. Well, two of the hardest working appliances in your home also have the ability to cause significant damage if they're not properly maintained. That's right. Your washer and dryer may clean your clothes, but they can also be the source of major leaks and even fires if they're not operating safely. Here with tips to keep them humming happily along is this old house plumbing and heating contractor, Richard Truthui. Welcome, Richard. Nice to be here again, guys. So we're not talking about the kind of washing machine disasters that occur when you, say, shrink a sweater or add bleach to your colors. <laughs> no, that's true. Really, it's about leaks and fires, and that's a lot more serious. According to the National Fire Protection Association, almost 17,000 
washer and dryer fires occur every single year, and that causes about $200 million worth of damage. It's not a small item. And most of that happens because of dryer fires on that side. I mean, washing machine motors can burn up, but I guess the dryer fire is really an issue, mostly because of venting? Absolutely. The dryer fires occur mostly because the dryer exhaust duct is dirty. Cleaning your dryer's lint trap is not nearly enough to protect against a fire. The lint has to be removed from the dryer's exhaust line and the vent that goes to the outside of the house as well. Yeah, but I can't understand. I mean, I'm constantly cleaning the dryer vent, you know, the little basket in there, if you will. How does the lint get underneath that, behind it, and then into the main vent itself when you essentially have that catcher there? You're just cleaning the lint trap. Correct. I'm cleaning the trap. But the lint is airborne. The lint is airborne, and that exhaust has to leave, so not all of it's going to be picked up by the trap. And so now, in the old days, when you always had the dryer just on the outside wall, and there was a relatively short run, Mm -hmm. that lint that got through might stay airborne and just go right outside. But now as we move the washer and dryer inside the building a little more, now you've got longer runs. Now you go out and you turn to an elbow, you turn up, you turn over. Each one of these places act like a separator. Right. And now the lint is going to settle down onto any horizontal duct and it starts to build up. And finally, it's enough to cause an issue and it can cause a very bad fire. So you've got to clean that whole run. Right. Well, if the run is short, I'm not really worried about it. It's just when you get into longer ones. Now, you can also help yourself with the type of ductwork that you use. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because for many years, you know, you bought a dryer. You got one of those vinyl exhaust ducts, which seems like it'd be impossible to clean. The best ducts are made out of metal because it doesn't want to stick as readily as it does to the vinyl. Right. The vinyl is not a slippery surface. It sort of wants to absorb it and keep that uh, lint there. So I always opt for metal, even for the safety aspect of it. I like metal for a flexible dryer vent. And probably a good idea if you've got an older dryer, just to peek behind it and make sure you do have a metal dryer exhaust duct. Right. And the place where it's going to be most prone to stopping is right at that discharge at the back of the dryer. You look mm-hmm. behind it, you tip the dryer out, you'll see there's one big band that holds that metal or vinyl flex mm-hmm. on there. You loosen it, pull it off. You're going to often find a big mound of lint. you got to get that out of there and then bring it back. What you don't realize is that just inside of the discharge is a gas flame. And if yeah. you ever saw it, it's a long gas flame that if that tail continues to go out right through the back, you can light up that lint on the backside. Now, in terms of cleaning the rest of the duct, I know that there's different brushes that are available. I bought one some years ago that was like a brush on a flexible fiberglass rod. We added sections to it over time. And i got to tell you, Richard, I was amazed with how much lint That's came right. out of what I thought was a re- relatively clean exhaust duct. It also came on and hardens in there, and so it's building up like plaque inside mm-hmm. of a, a mm-hmm. vein. There will be a time that you'll look at that duct and say, it's much more prudent for me to replace it with brand new metal than to try and clean it. By the time you try and clean it, sometimes it's just simpler, unless it's built into a wall. Okay. Now, with your washing machines, I mean, obviously, your big danger there is leaking. Yeah. I feel like so much can go wrong so quickly with a washer. Well, the prime culprit there are those two supply hoses. You know, every washing machine has flexible supplies. They're about six foot long. The ones that always were the standard were rubber. Now, rubber can degrade over time and start to become brittle. And you just don't know when it's going to leak. And so I always like to see these stainless steel braided washing machine hoses. If you're going to stay with the rubber ones, you should really inspect them I don't want to be crazy about it, but every year you should look at it and just see if it's cracked or crazed because mm-hmm. if it's starting to crack or craze, it can just pop like an aneurysm and all of a sudden now you have full city water pressure Yeah, and you're going to fill up your basement. In my own family's house, I remember my dad really wanted to have the washer upstairs for my mother. So we moved up there and then we had the worst thing happen. The hose lets go. That water came down through the house and literally we had water damage in that building that showed up 
probably over the course of two more years by the oh, time, wow. you know, and so it, water is an insidious thing, you know, if you get it in the wrong place. Well, to that point, should you have a shutoff valve from the wall to those braided hoses there on are off some, every time? Yes, there are some really, really cool devices now. And once people know the sort of potential disaster that this water damage can cause, they fall in love with this device. One is electric. And so you put it right where the shutoffs are that are coming out of the wall mm-hmm. before the hoses. And now you plug your wash machine into this device, and then you plug the device into the wall. Now what happens is when the wash machine is not calling, it stops the pressure on the hoses. So during that long period, you're not doing a wash. You don't have to worry about that city water pressure. Brilliant. Oh, what a great idea. Yeah. There's another one that is more manual where you come up to it, and there's a little striker, and you just push the striker from, from left to right, and it's a timer, a countdown timer, and it goes tick, 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 and that will keep water pressure on for a fixed interval, 45 minutes or an hour and a half, Whatever depending on which one. Yeah. yeah, so with those, both of those are terrific because many people have a wash machine valve that has a lever that it could turn it from on to off. Right. No one does that. Right. See, no I one always does. do. No, no one does. You, you are incredibly unique, Leslie, as you know. <laughs> but, thank as we you. Know. <laughs> no, but I always do. I right. mean, so much so that, you know, I've even think I've turned it on when I go to run a load of yeah, the wash and yeah. I'll press the button to start yeah, the fill yeah. and it's like, clack, 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 clack. So I know I have you it. You had to have had a water leak in your past. to. Well, I just have right. always had one. Yeah. 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 Those are the people that always remember to turn That's off. Right. They're, they're, they use a shutoff valve. Yeah. Somebody's had that yeah. hose bust Absolutely. happen. Yeah. yeah. Now, what about high-efficiency washers or dryers? Anything unique about them? I mean, they, they operate a lot more quickly than the standard washers. Well, I tell you, this came from the European market where energy is more expensive. So all of those units that many of the American units have copied have this incredibly high-speed turbo rotation on the dryer spin cycle. So you really wring out much more water out of the load. And so those are terrific, but the one thing you've got to be sure to do is to level that unit perfectly. If, you, if it's out of level, it becomes like a bad wheel on a, a car. car. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> Wobbles uh, along. You've got to do it. And then you might need rubber feet, but the key is to get it leveled because it, when it starts spinning, it, the they whole go. house will shake if you don't get it level. <laughs> Good advice. Richard Rathui, the plumbing and heating contractor on TV's This Old House. Thank you so much for stopping by the Money Pit. I'm sure you've saved a disaster or two out there. I advice. hope so. All right. You can catch the current season of This Old House and ask This Old House on PBS for local listings and step-by-step videos of many common home improvement projects, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House is brought to you on PBS by Lumber Liquidators. Hardwood floors for less. Still ahead, for being one of the most important seats in the house, your toilet can be pretty uninviting, but that's all about to change. We've got tips on toilet seat upgrades flush with comfort, and the Money Pit continues. You live in a Money Pit. Making good homes better. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, are you sick and tired of turning off the lights around your house? Well, one of you lucky callers who hates turning off the lights can put that aggravation behind for good because we're giving away a TCP Smart LED light bulb starter kit worth $80. Yep, no more dimmers, timers, and confusing wiring. Just plug it in and go. You can check out the Smart LED starter kit from TCP at homedepot.com. Well, your furniture is comfortable. Perhaps your desk chair is as well. But what about that other place you spend a good amount of time sitting? Yes, we're talking about your home's (laughs) throne, your toilet seat. It can be very cold and uninviting sometimes, but that's all about to change with a whole bunch of upgrades that are hitting the market right now and picking up steam. And they're all available for less than a couple hundred bucks. You know, it's funny. A few years back, I think it was at Builder's Show, we found a toilet seat that was the cover, then a child's toilet seat, and then, you know, a larger person's toilet seat. And they sort of all 
all fold down into one another. And I can't tell you how many times in the middle of the night I've gone in there in the dark and sat down on the tiny toilet seat. And I've been like, (laughs) am I a giant? Did I get really fat? What happened? (laughs) So there are sort of really cool things out there, you know, from just even hating it when the toilet seat slams closed. You know, I really jump out of my skin a little bit every time that happens. And I've got two small kids. So when that happens in the first floor powder room, I get nervous that they're going to snap their little fingers. So you can stop all of that insanity because a lot of seats today have quiet, closed toilet seats. All it really takes is a gentle touch. And that lid's going to drop down super slowly and softly. No loud bang. Less touching means fewer germs as well. Gotta love that. And if you shiver when you sit down, you don't have to worry about that anymore because many toilet seats today will actually sense activity and warm up when you sit down. Some models even have adjustable settings so you can control the temperature. Yeah, and if you've been dreaming of a bidet just like the one you saw in the bathrooms in Europe, then listen up because Bio Bidet's premium bidet toilet seat comes with a bidet built in. So no need to replace the toilet altogether. Even better, you can control the water's temperature so you don't get any shocking surprises that might have you leaping off the pole. And that's all for less than 150 bucks. And the award in my book for the best new toilet seat of the decade has to go to Kohler, who just introduced the pure, fresh, scented, and lighted toilet seat. This seat not only has a nightlight, Leslie, which will prevent that occasional near miss, it actually right. has a built-in fan that takes the odors out of the bowl before it what? hits the air. Yep. Now, speak Speaking of odors, Tom, have you heard of this product it's called Poopery? No. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a spray that you spray, and it has like really, it's a fancy label with some adorable poetry, and you're supposed to spray the water before you go, and then it locks the odors into the bowl. Just going to say it works. We've all tried it out in the house, and we're all thrilled <laughs> with it. Good to know. <laughs> Let's get back to the phones. Leslie, who's next? Dot, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Oh, a couple of years ago, we had a uh, driveway put in. And we have a um, house with an attached garage, and they had um, oh, graded the driveway, they said, properly so the water would drain away from the house and into the lawn. And um, we get standing water in our driveway still. And I was just wondering the steps to, the proper steps to um, put a trench in our driveway and possibly a drain. Okay, so it would seem to me that if you're talking about water that's, that's collecting on the driveway itself or on the side of the driveway, there's a distinction. In the driveway and also close to um, the house and where the driveway meets. And then there's there's an attached garage there also. If we were to stop the water from collecting on the side of the driveway, would the top of the driveway still be flooded? I think so. Apparently they graded it. All right, because it's easier to put in a curtain drain along the side of the driveway than it is to slice the driveway and insert a drain. Because if you want to try to drain what's on the driveway, essentially you have to cut a slice into the driveway. It's not something that you could do. It requires specialized tools. And then a a drain is inserted, and it's kind of like a very narrow grate, almost like a box. It's dropped into the driveway. The driveway is graded to the top of it so that the water can sort of roll in and then fill up the drain and then run out. If, in fact, that this water is collecting along the side of the driveway, it would be easier um, from a do-it-yourself perspective to add in a curtain drain. The way that works is you would dig a, a trench 
that was maybe a foot wide, uh, maybe a foot deep. You'd put some stone on the bottom of that. Then you'd put a perforated PVC pipe. You continue to fill that up with snow and all around it. You'd add some filter cloth over that, and then you would regrade, and you would be it would be completely invisible when it's done. And of course, it has to be pitched properly and discharged properly as well. So the curtain drain on the side of the driveway is easier than sort of the trench drain where you have to cut the driveway. I would tend to say do the curtain drain first and see how it goes. Dot, I hope that helps you out. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Hey, do you want to get your yard in tip-top shape for spring? Because, you know, it's not that far away. So start now. We're going to share some tips after this. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Money Pit is presented by Quick Crate Concrete and Cement Products. Quick Crate, what America's made of. Like us on Facebook and visit online at www.quickcrete.com for product information and easy step-by-step project videos. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Do you ever feel like you can have a clean house or you can have a greenhouse? Well, there's a way that you can have both. We've got just the thing. It's the Shackley Get Clean Kit. The concentrated Shackley products are proven to work better than the name brand cleaners that you probably have been using right now. And with an added bonus, they are safe for you and better for the environment. And they come as concentrates, so you get a lot of bang for your buck. You can start shopping today at GreenMyMoneyPit.com. That's GreenMyMoneyPit.com. Again, if you want some cleaning tips or if you've got a question about any other project at your Money Pit, you can post a question just like Marie did from Boston who writes, A neighbor's kid wrote on my fence with permanent marker. (laughs) I want to get rid of the mess before nicer weather hits. Any ideas for removing it? You know, if it's a wood fence, it's really hard to get that out of it because I'm sure it's totally soaked in. It really sucks it up. So what I would do is just prime it and paint over it. Now, if it's a non-porous surface like vinyl, one trick of the trade is you can pull off markers with WD-40. It's really good for removing ink and also adhesives. So if you spray it on there, it should eat through that ink and take it right away without harming the fence. All right. I hope that helps. And tell that tagging neighbor of yours to cut it out. Next up, we've got one here from Bob in New Jersey who writes, We have pressure-treated wood on our new deck. The boards still have the stamps from the lumberyard. How can we remove those stamps so that they don't show through when we stain our deck? Well, first of all, understand that those stamps are a good thing. They help you make sure that the quality of the wood is what is represented by by the seller. And removing them isn't an option. You could cause more problems by sort of trying to abrade them away. So I would simply sand the area lightly and then stain the wood using a solid color opaque stain. Solid color stains work much better than semi-transparents in terms of their longevity. They just last a lot longer because there's more titanium dioxide inside solid color stains. And that's the material that really makes that color stick around for a long time. 
time. So I wouldn't try to remove it. It's not going to be possible to do that, uh, really for the same reasons that we that we just covered with that fence question. It soaks in, so you can't really get it off. You have to really stain over it, and that's the way to handle it. Yeah, and I think people might get you know a little afraid when they hear solid color stain. You don't have to pick an outrageous color. While there are many colors to choose from, you can really pick a shade of a natural tone of wood, you know, or a variety of weathered effect of that wood, you know, based on any sort of thing you can find. And some will even tint to your specified color. So, I mean, you really can choose something that's quite natural and get that same look. Yeah, and you'll you'll find that the stain does show the grain through it. So it's not like paint. It is going to show the grain right through it. All right, Jenny from Chicago is asking about attic insulation. She says, I have cellulose. That is R19 in the attic from 1985. Can I just add more without removing the old? Or do I have to completely remove and replace it? So as long as that existing insulation is not compressed, it's not sunken down into that space, there's no reason you can't add additional insulation. You could add additional cellulose or you could add additional unfaced fiberglass bats. I would simply lay them perpendicular to the ceiling joist. You really want to have about R30 to 40 in that space, not R19, which is really only about six inches of insulation. So it's always an option to add more on top. Now, the one time you can't do that is if the insulation was put in upside down and you're looking at, say, the foil face of the top of uh, fiberglass insulation. In that case, you'd have to cut the in- cut that foil face about every 12 inches so that it would be properly vented. And then you can add more insulation on top of that at that point. Yeah, you know, you really cannot go wrong with too much insulation. Insulation, it really will only help you save money in the long run. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air online at moneypit.com. Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. That's all the time we have. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself, but you don't have to do it alone. You live in a Money Pit.